This is Paul with Catfish Weekly, and uh, we've got today Lyle Stokes, Chuck Davison, Chris Wallace, a.k.a. FUD, and special guest uh, Brian Kilpatrick, if I pronounce that right. That's and Brian uh, Kilpatrick. We're just here to, to talk about some fishing. And uh, I guess first let's get to uh, uh, Brad. What, what got you into doing a... Uh, the, uh, the KC tournaments? Well, me and all my buddies down at the river, uh, we always found ourselves driving here, driving there to go fish tournaments. And, you know, there was just quite a few of us, a little good little group, and we decided, well, heck, why, why don't we just have some tournaments here in Kansas City? And let's, why are we always driving? And I don't know, the, the Kansas City catfish thing was always more meant from the beginning to be more of a good old boys club than anything and it just kind of took off and you know it's been a fun ride so we'll see where she heads how, how long you've been doing that eight years now wow all right well uh you know uh i know that we've talked about it here a while ago but i was going to ask you about your last uh your last tournament how that how that went and and all that good stuff. Well, you know, our last tournament, we kick off the season every year in Warsaw, Missouri, and uh, traditionally that's a that's a great tournament. I've always kind of rode, rode the ragged edge with that one because we had that one in early March and and Lake of the Ozarks in, in early March. It's a, that's, it's a crap shoot, and it finally caught up with us this year. We had uh, – I delayed the launch by two hours, and we still broke broke ice on the launch and uh, boy the fish just didn't cooperate fishermen got out there and gave them hell we had 63 teams show up but uh, boy the fishing was just terrible you know um, I think 15.7 pounds won the tournament and that's down from 111 pounds the previous year so you know it is what it is and that's why they call it fishing um, you know it's it I don't think that that was any any indication of that fishery, the potential of it, obviously not, because we've seen a lot better weights, or the, the, you know, we've got new regulations down there with a slot limit and uh, a two over 34 inches. We've got a slot limit from 26 to 34 that you have to, mandatory, you have to put those fish back. They're trying to give those breeding size fish a chance to reproduce and get out of the slot, because those are the ones that are getting harvested on that water. And, uh, Boy, that weekend of the tournament, we just didn't catch very many fish. I, the fishing was just bad. The next week, guys were tearing them up down there and have been ever since then. But that weekend, bad fishing. We had a great time in Warsaw. Everybody had fun. But, boy, it was just tough, tough fishing. You, uh, These guys get quite a few new people coming every year or try to promote and, and bring new people into the tournaments every year. Well, we've always done a pretty good job, we felt, at, at bringing new anglers in, um, you know, especially especially down there when we go to the lakes. Um, we don't see as many new guys coming in on the rivers, but, you know, the rivers sometimes scare, you know, newer fishermen. But the lakes, we bring a lot of new guys in, a lot of first-time tournament participants, you know, and first time with us, first time ever fishing the tournament, so it's... We've had real good success at that, and I think, you know, if you go back and look at my history over the years, you can see that how we've grown. My my first tournament, we had, I think we had 13 boats show up, and uh, boy, if I have 13 boats show up now, it's a tragedy, you know. I mean, I'm, we're used to putting 40, 50, 60 boats on the water. Our, my biggest tournament was 73, so we're getting her done out here. That's a lot of boats. <laughs> Yeah, it is, and it's a lot of guys to get all heading in the right direction, and at the same time, and it, it's it's a lot of effort to get them get everything uh, organized and and keep everything organized. But it's been working for us, so we have fun doing it. All right, that's that's all I had for you here this time, uh, Lyle. Hey, Brad, how's it going, buddy? Oh, you know, just doing my thing. I hear you. Um, 
when when we was talking about the Warsaw tournament, um, you know, there I know there were some comments and people talking about uh, the reason the fish wasn't caught down there uh, was because of the new regulations. Uh, people would lead you to believe that. Uh, the reason there wasn't any fish turned in was because every fish that was caught was in the slot limit, and I know for a fact that that just wasn't the case. Uh, you know, but you know there are those that that uh, would lead you to believe that. Well, you know, there's there's folks that are are that don't like the new regulations down there, and that's that's fine. Um, you know, you you can't please everybody all the time, but you know that tournament there just wasn't that many fish caught. Period. I mean, no, there there really wasn't, and, and I know I I believe that that you and I agree uh, on several things, and and one of those being that the MDC is doing the right thing for that league. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing what the future holds down there at Lake of the Ozarks and and Truman Reservoir. I think it I think it's only going to go up from here, because we've got tremendous numbers of blue cats in those two reservoirs. But the size just isn't there like a lot of the other reservoirs in the nation, and and even locally, you know. I mean, we've got a we've got a reservoir out in Kansas that will put that thing to shame when you want to talk about big fish, and at you know, in Milford Lake. And right, you, they, they you know they they also uh, seem to think that uh, that people are wanting to make that a trophy fishery and stop trot liners and things, and again. Uh, that's something that I just believe is not true, and and uh, you know it, they go on and on about people needing to feed their family. Well, I suggest if they if that's the only food they got is the blue cats out of that lake, then somebody needs to get a job. Well, they need to do something different because you know I don't even want to calculate what it what it costs for me to feed my my family a a meal of blue cat fillets. I don't even want to start doing that math. Well, if if you figure what it takes to to take a weekend and go fishing for a whole weekend and buy your fuel and boat and time and maintain the boat and all the stuff, it's a lot cheaper to go to the grocery store and buy your food than it is to to go fishing anyhow. Well, you know, I I'm I've always been a big CPR guy, selective harvest guy, and 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 that being said, you know, when when I see people catching big fish and keeping them. You know, if they're in the, within the letter of the law, I don't have a whole lot to say about that. I, I, I would hope that that they would not take anything more than they need. But, you know, if if you're out there fishing and, and you need that big fish to feed your family, if that makes a difference between your family eating and not, well, by all means, as long as you took that fish by legal means, that's your fish. That's your decision. That's a, that's a personal decision. I, I choose not to do it. Um a lot of other people choose not to do it, but I, I don't think that being a hard line on it, and I think that drives people away more than it will bring them in. If you can show them a different way and don't necessarily single them out and make them feel like they're outside of a group, you know, just kind of say, hey, you know, if you need that fish, by all means, take it. It's yours. They caught it. It's theirs. But, you know... If you don't need it, why don't you put it back? Because those are the fish we need to sustain this fishery. I, I agree with you 100%, Brad. And you know, there there's instances where where fish are, are hooked bad, you know, uh, gut hooked and bleeding real bad. We had one in a tournament last year that Danny Salfin caught, and when he brought it to weigh in. Um, uh, he had it in his box, you know, that's why we have a three-fish limit because sometimes we get into those giant fish, and one of them's pectoral fin had jabbed the other one right in the side, and it was just uh, gushing out blood, and, um, you know, the rules say that we had to turn the fish back, but that'll never happen again. While we lived and learned from, from that mistake, uh, that fish should have been taken home by somebody and and utilized because I'm, I'm quite sure that it didn't survive and and there's instances where fish should be taken and, and uh, not thrown back but uh, for the most part that's not the case yeah uh, you know yeah. I, I we hate to see any fish die during our tournaments and and it happens it doesn't happen a whole lot um, I've outlawed stringers in my tournaments for 
I'm going to say five plus years, I have not allowed a stringer in my tournaments. And, uh, you know, in the early days of Kansas City catfish, we were putting the fish back. My weigh-in kid told me, he says, you know, these fish that aren't swimming off strong, those are the same fish that are coming in on stringers. Right. So we did away with the stringers, and I caught a lot of flack for that. And uh, But now the guys have, have uh, got live wells in their boat. They've learned how to manage those live wells. And I think that we're releasing fish healthier than when they were caught. I mean, you know, well, you, you catch a big fish, you tucker him out. You put him in the right environment in the live well and keep him in there for four or five hours, he's got time to recover and, and build his energy back up. And, boy, I tell you what, some of them fish, when we release them now, they are just – they're ready to go. There's no doubt about I, it. I they're in good shape and they're ready to go. I think we definitely made the right decision going live well only. Yeah, we've done the same thing, and I know – uh, a lot of the guys over your way do the same thing we do over on our side of the state, and they have oxygen and and the aeration systems, and they maintain their live rails really well. But one of the things that that I'd like to visit with you about a lot of these guys uh, uh, not familiar with Kansas City catfish don't uh, don't know um, the setup you have for keeping fish uh, when they're turned in and weigh in, and, and you have a really good. Uh, program set up for when people weigh in fish that you put them in your uh, holding tank and they're on oxygen and and uh, you know and I know for a fact from seeing you release those fish that they are better off after they're released than when they was caught. You want to touch on that thing a little bit? Well I have a, a several years ago we bought a, a folding 750 gallon tank. Um, the tanks that originally purposed to for fire firemen to use for fire stations when they fight fires in remote locations as a holding tank to feed their pumper trucks. Um, it was 750 gallons. It all folds up. It fits in the back of my truck. I've got that um, that I fill up with water. I treat the water. So I, I use city water most of the time if it's available. We treat it, get all the chlorine out of it. We keep an eye on the temperature. We want it within about 15 degrees of the water temperature of the body of water that we're fishing in, we keep it within about 15 degrees, hopefully 15 degrees cooler. I hate it to pull hotter. And uh, I have it on oxygen, and I also have a uh, circulation pump for the spray bar. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, when we – you let them sit in that thing for a while, in the in the catfish spa for a while, and it's a, it's a struggle to get them out of there, and they're in good shape and they're good to go. I mean, we don't we don't lose fish out of that tank ever. Ever, not anymore. That's a that's a great setup you got, and, and uh, I was really impressed with it when we was over at Waverly last year. It was the first time I'd seen it, and I just, uh, you know, I, I thought it'd be good if you'd tell people about it because um, all the tournaments, especially in the hot part of the year, um, there's very few that have anything nearly uh, even reasonably close to what, what you have, and, and I think that we all are working towards keeping the fish alive and turning them back good, so um, uh, I know that, I don't think you'd mind, if, you know, if somebody has a question, like you would mind sending them a picture of what you have, because it's really an outstanding setup, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of these tournaments, uh, directors should take a look at something like that. I know we're developing a deal to to keep ours in, especially for hot weather. Right now, we don't have any problems with them. But the warmer the weather gets, uh, the more uh, the more uh, important a, a deal like that is. <laughs> well, it really, it really helps with the with the stressed fish. Uh, it really helps with the stressed fish. You know, we got you know we've got anglers at all levels showing up and. Most of my regular guys, they've really got the live well thing figured out. Some of these newer guys, they're just learning, and, and we try to help them when, however and whenever we can. But, boy, I tell you what, we get, them, get those fish put in that, in that tank and leave them in there for a while and let them, let them chill out and let them recuperate a little bit. They, they come out a lot better than they went in. So it's, it's, sure. just been a, it's worked out beautifully for us, really, because we don't, we don't want to – hurt any fish. I don't ever want to see a fish die at all, especially not a big one. So it's, right, it's well, those are breeders, and they, they need to be maintained, and that's just the way it is. And well, you know, and, and, and guys are so much better now at handling the fish in the boat. I mean, 
You know, you, you can't go grab a 50-pound fish and hang him up by his jaw. You just can't. No, we you know, and, and guys weigh them in boats. I've noticed that a lot of these guys um, are not weighing them uh, through scales and stuff when they're culling fish. They're uh, weighing them in, in their uh, dip nets and things, and uh, that's a lot easier on them than trying to weigh them through the gill or, or poking a hole in their lower lip. They already got a hole in it from being caught. And, and uh, uh, weight slings, I know you have some weight slings and, uh, to carry fish in, and, and that saves a lot of them from being dropped and different things. So, you know, we're all making progress in the right direction to, to make this a better deal all the way around. Well, I'm I'm absolutely convinced for the larger fish that the the slings are the ideal way to transport them from the boat to the weigh-in, and you know from my tank back into the water, you know. And uh, I'll give a little shout out to David Ashby from uh, Bottom Dwellers Tackle. He is not a sponsor of mine, but uh, I contacted him and told him I needed a number of the weigh-in slings. I think I wanted to buy ten of them from him and. Uh, Bless his heart, and just shows what kind of man David Ashby is, and and what kind of kind of company he runs over there at Bottom Dwellers. He helped me out. He made me one heck of a deal on those things. I couldn't. It was. I couldn't imagine the deal he was made. He made me, and he told me that he was doing it because he knew that this would be good for the fish. And I can't. You know, my hats off to you, Dave. Yeah, Dave's outstanding guy. He's good for the sport of catfishing. And he, he has a he runs a an ideal place for anybody that wants to buy tackle and stuff and and uh, he does have the best catfish and sling on the market bar none so uh, they work really good for tournaments and different things and and uh, you know he's always improving his stuff as time goes along. Um, Chris, have you got some stuff you want to visit with Brad about? Sure, sure do. Okay. Um, Brad, if if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and take a minute and let everybody know about. Uh, the KC Catfish Club, like where you guys fish out of, you have, you have membership fees, um, what your times are, um, just a little bit more about your club so that way other people know about it, get a little more information out there. Well, currently we're doing tournaments in Kansas and Missouri. Um, we're hoping here in the near future to be branching out, maybe get into Iowa, Nebraska, Oklahoma, but currently uh, in Kansas and Missouri. Um up and down the Missouri River, we hit a few lakes. Milford Lake is my next tournament uh, next Sunday, the 27th. We'll be out there at Milford Lake, and that's a that's an excellent, excellent fishery. I expect big weights and lots of big fish caught at that one. But uh, all the tournaments are open to the public. There is no membership fee at all. Um, my daytime tournaments run from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. My nighttime tournaments run from 7 p.m. to 8 a.m., um, and you can find everything that you need to know on, on uh, kccatfish.com. We just got up a new website. I think it's a, it's a lot cleaner and a lot easier to navigate and find what you're looking for. All my rules are up there. My entry form's up there. Everything that you need to know to come fish tournament is, is on that new website. Not a point series, anything like that, just a yeah, tournament? We do, tournament. We, we do have a point series. Uh, it was... Uh, Last year was the first year that we did it, and it was it was a heck of a deal. Our uh, our points championship was decided by one point, so it was it was highly competitive. Um, I have nine tournaments on the schedule this year. Um, I've already had one, so I got eight more left. In our points race, we count your top six scores. So, you know, if you have a have a bad tournament can always come to another one and make it up. We don't count every single one. Top six, and uh, and at the end of this, whoever wins that points race, I, I buy their entry for every tournament next season. So the guys really like it, and it's it's hotly contested. And you guys want to have some fun, come on down here and get in that points race because, boy, that's some serious business there. Are you the tournament director or? Yeah, I'm the tournament director. I'm the president, founder. Um, I Everything. do get some help from my family, and uh, occasionally we hire some help to, you know, just keep people moving in the right direction and keep everything organized. But it's mostly me and my family are doing this. Okay, you fish the tournaments as well, too, right? No, sir. No, no fishing no. on the tournaments. You know, when you got 40, 50, 60 boats showing up, 
somebody's got to stay behind to make sure everything's running right and everything's I am nothing disorganization upsets me and I like my tournaments to go off without a hitch everything's black and white the rules are the rules and somebody's got to make sure that everything's right and I'm the guy in charge so I had to quit fish, fishing my tournaments about three four years ago I still fish some tournaments but not my own Okay, um, I had a question on the chat that asked, uh, I guess, while you were fishing, and, and I guess this can go along to everybody, uh, everybody in here, what's the weirdest thing or the oddest thing, I guess, that you've seen a catfish spit up in the live well? You know, after one tournament we had, and uh, we had one big fish caught this tournament it was in Kansas City. We had a 70-some-odd-pound flathead catfish Uh and we weighed the fish and put him in our tank, and he swam around in there for a couple hours, you know, and we got everything over with and got all the fish back to the river and went to drain the tank. When we drained the tank, I found a single fish vertebrae that was as big around as a quarter <laughs> that got spit up in that tank. Now think about how big of an animal it takes to have a vertebrae as big around as a quarter. There was only one fish in that in that tank that could have spit that up, and that was that big flathead. Any of you other guys had anything odd spit up? I've seen a lot of stuff in live wells, but not during weigh-ins or anything. We've had all kinds of fish and crawdads and just dad. Right, yeah. Bullheads and everything else, but uh, nothing I would call out of the ordinary. Now, I, I, now one ahead. time we did have something pretty pretty remarkable happen, and we were we were uh, hauling a bunch of fish back down to the river after a tournament, and we we it was just a short drive down there, so we we put a bunch of fish in a hundred gallon tank, drove it down to the ramp, back down the ramp, and we and there was four of us putting these fish back in the water from back of the truck and we got down to the bottom of the tank we had one big blue in there probably a 40 50 pound blue cat in the bottom of it when we looked at it he was he was laying on his belly and it looked like he had he was laying on top of a little baby flathead catfish just you see just see the head of the of the flathead sticking out from under it looked like he was sticking out from underneath this fish well, one of the guys reached down in that tank and grabbed that blue cat, and that blue cat went, and that baby flathead was gone. He ate that baby flathead out of the water. <laughs> yeah, the damnedest thing I've ever seen. I'd say uh wasn't necessarily odd, but this this last tournament here yesterday on the ICA had they had it on Morse Morse Lake and. They had a real, we had a real bad shad kill this year on, on most of the lakes. But, I mean, I was there two weeks ago, and the shad were, the ones that were floating, you know, they, they were pretty bad rotted. I mean, so, and there was thousands of them. So, out there on Friday and Saturday, we marked, you could just see the whole bottom bed of the lake, I mean, just littered with rotting shad. And almost every person you talk to that caught fish, you know, they they said their live well just absolutely reeked of that dead rotting shad because them fish and all the fish that were caught were gorged. I mean, they're all their bellies this springtime. You know, they they were all gorging on that and and it was just the nastiest smelling. I mean, I mean nasty smelling. But that's about the weirdest I think weirdest I or not weird, but just the odd nasty smell you would get but um besides that i know that that i believe you're going to end up being the uh is it the kansas city state leader for the united for catfish project that we got kansas. going on yeah in kansas i'll i'll uh, i'll be leading that charge and and you know i also have a very good uh good rapport with the missouri department of conservation i know lyle's on the other side of the state line and whenever lyle needs help i'm you know, Lyle and I have worked together in the past on on some conservation issues in in Missouri, and 
and I would expect that to continue. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that that's going to be a really good deal for everybody nationwide if we can get everybody on the same page and get everybody banded together and, and speaking in a unified voice, then we can make start making things happen. Yeah. And I and I we were just talking a little bit before the show and you were telling me uh I guess it was Kansas City is uh if they're getting ready to or they just did uh allow the the noodling. Yeah, I think they've uh, allowed that in Kansas. I think this is a second or third season. Um I was rather I was rather disappointed that they opened up a noodling season. I I don't think it's a conservationally sound practice at all. But you know that's that's what Kansas has chosen to do, and um, you know I would I think with the the conservation thing, I think we have to, to choose our battles wisely, and and I don't know if there's enough noodling pressure in the state. To really amount to much anything, I don't know how popular it is in Kansas. Yeah, but why why allow that seed to spread, you know, or sprout? Why allow that seed to sprout? You know, that's my thought on it. Boy, I tell you what, I would much rather see Kansas get protect some of the big fish that they've got, some of the big yeah. blue cats that we've got. Um, I think the noodling thing, if there's no active participation in it, it'll take care of itself. Okay. Um you know, going on the 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 topic of tonight's show being the alternative sort of fishing methods or whatever, do you do you jug line or you know, what what all do you do just limp or hand fish line? What what all do you do and what Me personally, rod and reel. <laughs> That's yeah. it. And you know, I uh I used to set lines. I, I think that probably many of us did back in the day, um, but I only rod and reel fish right now. Um, you know, I wish that I wish everybody did. Um, of course, you know, getting rid of uh, some of these alternative methods are going to be pretty tough. That's you know ingrained into a lot of the state's history. That you know that's that's what families have done for centuries. You know, in this part of the country, it's it's part of the culture, and it's going to be hard to get away from that. Um, you know, the but one of the biggest problems I have with set liners is I wish they'd pick up their junk when they were done. Yeah, yeah. Many many guys, you know, even even if the law is you know to state put your uh, your name and address and all that on each line or whatever, most of the time that I've seen, they just don't do it, even when they're you know even when it's a law. So. No, and they don't. And then when they're done, they just they leave their crap hanging in the in the tree limbs and and on the bottom of the river and the lakes and you know it. That's that's my biggest complaint with it. You know, if you're not you're breaking the law then because the law says you're supposed to have your name on it. The law says that you're supposed to attend to those lines in the state of Kansas. I think it's once every 24 hours. Yeah, you're most most days 24 hours. Lines. And if you're not actively fishing with those lines, you're supposed to remove them. And I know there's guys out there that do remove their stuff, but I think there's a whole lot more that don't. Yeah. And once you've abandoned that stuff, you're littering. Yeah, I agree. Um, as far as where conservation's at now in Kansas City, uh, is, is it where you'd like to see it at in, in the future, or what would you like to see changed? Well, you know, in the state of Kansas, I'd like to see them, you know, we have an outstanding fishery in Milford Reservoir, uh, Milford Lake. We've got some up-and-coming fisheries, uh, Melvern, Lacine, Perry Lakes, up-and-coming. I mean, we've got so many fisheries that have great potential when it comes to blue cats and flatheads. I'd like to see the state do a 1 over 34 rule like, you know, some of the southern states have done. So a lot. Of the, it seems like those states have had a lot of success with those types of regulations, and you know, producing a lot of big fish and, and keeping their fisheries healthy. I just worry about some of these fisheries getting overfished and overharvest. I mean, let's be frank about it, guys. The rods and reels are better. The the information's out there. If you want to learn how to catch big blue cats, get online. The yeah. information's there. 
it's like there this, for the this, take. This, this show here, we have some of the top, you know, cat fishermen in the country telling you, you know, giving you lots of tips and things like that, which it's not, you know, getting the tips and everything, that, that, that gets you out there, and it's not just fluff tips. We really have guys on here that are giving you everything you need to know to go out there and catch 50, 60-pound fish or bigger. Well, you know, these fish don't get 50, 60, 70, 100 pounds by laying on the bottom of the lake and not eating or laying on the bottom of the river and not eating. They get that big because they eat, and they eat a lot. Do you, do you, you have know a where lot they of, eat and where they live? Yeah. Catching them's nothing. Right now, do you have commercial fishing on the, you know, pressure on the fish in your area? Um, Kansas does have some very limited commercial fishing, but it's only for rough fish. So we have, on, our, on the Missouri River around here, there is no commercial catfishing on the Missouri River, period. Yeah. And there is no commercial catfishing in the state of Kansas. We don't have we don't have to fight those battles like you now, guys do over there. Now, it's against the law, or it's just not enough of a, a presence now, to be felt right there. Illegal. Okay, that's what I wonder because what I'm wondering about is right now. I mean, like you were just talking, it's it's you know the commercial fishing is legal for rough fish up here and up north. Our catfish, our all species are considered rough fish, you know, and that's one of our first battles we should be taking care of. That's yeah, exactly. Get the right. catfish recognized as a game fish. Yeah, that's that's one of the first things we need to do. But yeah, them commercial fishermen, you know, that are targeting these large fish for pay ponds and stuff like that. Once you know, and I don't know if it's going to happen right away, but once it does happen, unless each state starts to get some regulations on pay ponds themselves and actually enforcing those regulations, you're going to see those same uh, commercial fishermen that have ruin the Ohio River and our stretches of water going to these other bodies of water where it's still legal because they've not had that problem yet, you know, and ruining those fisheries too. And what I'd like to see with with the UnitedForCatfish.com project that we're starting is to eliminate that from even being a possibility. The states that have those catfish and those cat fisheries that, you know, haven't already uh, adopted the laws and stuff to pr to protect them, you know, we can we can help them states hopefully with the knowledge we gain from all the other states and things like that to to keep them commercial fishermen from jumping over there for those fish for pay ponds. Well, you know, if these guys want to run run pay ponds, that, that's fine with me. Let them grow their own damn fish, though. Yeah. Let's, let's well, quit. You name a state. You name me a state in the union that would allow. Let's just for a minute. Let's get out there for a minute. Do you think any state in the union? would let you come to their state, catch a live trophy buck, mm -hmm. transport it across state lines to go be put in a pen somewhere so somebody else can sh shoot it to yeah, pay to shoot, put, shoot it. Put in a five-acre high fence. Ever? Yeah. Nope. Why do we, why, then why, why is it allowed to fly with catfish? That's basically what they're doing. Yeah, it's all about the greed and who's in who's in specific power places right now. You know, I agree 100% that once it's outlawed on one body of water, you outlaw commercial fishing or you limit those guys to where it's just they can't take enough big fish out of that water, they're going to go somewhere else. I guarantee you they're going to go somewhere else. There's too much money in it. If there wasn't money in it, they wouldn't be bothering with these big fish. They'd be catching fish for food like traditionally like commercial fishermen have for for generations yeah and you know they survived feeding 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 people for generations now this new lucrative market has come into play and they're exploiting it to to an extreme yeah um trying to think here uh the <laughs> Oh man, I, I was gonna ask something and it just floated away. Um, I guess we're, it's eight o'clock now. I guess give me a second here and I'll do. Uh, I'm gonna do some uh, giveaways for our dead red uh, blood spray that we have donated by uh, Team Catfish. Um, I will, we did the drawing for the subscribers. Uh, for those of you who subscribed last week. Um, the winner was, um, now his name's the, 
Lives down the street from you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just throwing a blank. Big Cat 64 or something like that. Yeah. Doug, Doug. Doug, Doug. <laughs> I just talked to him today. <laughs> Doug, Doug Park, uh, Parkinson? Doug Parkinson, not not Parkinson, but Doug Parkinson, congrats. I've, I've got two bottles of Dead Red for you for the subscribers blog. Um, I'm going to go ahead and have everybody in the chat say I. If you hear me now, say I in the chat so I have your name, and I'm going to put your name in a list. And I'll probably go ahead and uh, turn it over to Chuck, let him talk for a little bit, and I'll... Uh, uh, uh. I need to do is either you or me do a screenshot and show them where they have to subscribe at for that. Okay. Well, I'll I'll show them I'll show them when I go for when okay. I come back to me for the winter. Sure. But go ahead, Chuck and. Hi, right, Brad. I uh, this is Chuck from Alabama. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. How you doing, man? Good. Hey, I want to talk to you about this certain day that y'all had a, a while back with a certain character named uh, Robert Stanley, and he brought a big fish in, oh. and uh, and y'all kept that thing alive, had it weighed in, documented, and uh, and y'all released that fish without it being slaughtered. Uh, I would like you to go over that day and explain to these guys that these record fish can actually be uh, state records and uh, keep swimming. Well... That was, uh, I didn't even catch a doggone fish. One pull over, man, and that was my fish. That was my fish. I missed it by one fishing rod, but, you know, Rob Rob caught that fish, and, you know, that thing hit, I think it was 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and we had, we had Chase Lounge chairs laid out in his boat. We were snoozing, and I had, for one reason or another, I'd woken up, and I looked up, and I saw, I saw Rob's rod. Bump one time real quick, come back up, and then that sucker just folded in half and started screaming drag. And I hollered at Rob, get up, get up, you know, and he ran over, got the rod. And, uh, you know, Rob's only been chasing blue cats for a couple of years. He, he, he got started with Kansas City Catfish, got hanging out with us, and, and, and became one of the group pretty quick. But he'd only been fishing for a little while. And this fish just it just pulling out drag like you wouldn't believe. And I said, Rob, man, you got eighty pound test braid on that reel. Put the hurt to him. Put some drag on him, buddy. And he said, Dude, it's 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 already he reaches over and puts his thumb on his star, inches it forward about another quarter of an inch, and he says, That drag won't go no tighter. And this fish just it's just having its way with this Abu Garcia seven thousand, you know. So we chased it down. I, I pulled the anchor, reeled everything else in, and we started chasing it. And I don't know if you guys have to chase fish down where you're at, but the Missouri River runs hot, you know, and it, we got fast current on that Missouri River, and we got to chase big fish quite a bit. You just can't get them back to the boat. But usually once we, you know, chase them down, we get the boat over the top of the fish. It's not long. You know, you get them up to the top, you get them in the net, and we got over the top of this fish, and he just can't pull it up off the bottom. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? Why can't he get this fish up off the bottom? About that time, the fish finally starts coming up, and it rolls, and I saw that beast. Oh, my goodness. I had the net. He had a little tiny net in his boat, and I threw that aside, and I said, that's not going to work. <laughs> Swam around to the other side of the boat. I went to go grab that fish. I saw how big that fish was, and I wouldn't put my hand in its mouth. <laughs> I was scared of it. I, I, I'm not embarrassed a bit to say I was, but we got that fish in the boat finally, and it took us about half an hour. Got him in the boat, and it's laying on the floor of the boat, and Rob's like, man, that's a big son of a gun. He says, how big do you think that is, Brad? I said, Rob, I don't know, man. I said, I weighed an 80-pounder last week in Waverly, and this fish is bigger than that. So we got out the scales and, and he picked that and put it in the net and picked that fish up and says, what does it say, Brad? And I said, it says full. What? I, what's, it, what's it say? I said, it says full, Rob. It says full, man. Put the fish down. So he puts it down and he says, he's got one of those real nice Berkeley scales and he's like, you know, I've, I've only seen one of these scales do that one time. 
and that was on that that Monster Cats DVD. I said, yeah, Rob, I know, I know. Turn the scale off. Let's bring it back up. Zero it out. Make sure everything's good. Okay. <coughs> that up, picks up fish back up. He says, what does it say? I say, it says full. Put it down. So we put the fish down. I said, okay, Rob. I said, uh, you got a 100-pound scale that we're maxing out here. I said, you potentially have a state record fish. What do you want to do? I said, you want the record? He says, well, yeah, I want the record. I said, okay, well, we got to get this fish back in the water. And we didn't have, you know, we're just in an old John boat, and he didn't have, you know, he's got a portable live well that he puts in his boat to fish tournaments, but we were just out fun fishing. And so we didn't have that with us, and we uh, we had to put him on a stringer to get him back in the water. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. So we put him back in the water, and we got behind a couple dikes and in some calm water and put the fish back in the water, and we started making phone calls. It's, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning. We're waking up people. I'm waking up my girlfriend. He's waking up his wife, you know, because I got certified scales, so... His wife went to my house, picked up my certified scales, and met us at the ramp. We uh, we got that fish back in the boat, dipped downstream a ways. The whole time I had we had wet towels over it. I was as we we're going down the river. I'm reaching in with a bucket and pouring water on this fish, keeping it wet the whole time. We got pretty close to the boat ramp, and we slowed down, put the fish back in the water. We basically drifted back to the ramp another couple of miles. Got there, made another couple phone calls. In uh, we had a had a hundred gallon stock tank brought down to the ramp. We had a bottle of oxygen and a stone brought down to the ramp. So we got that fish in that in that good oxygenated water. Um, I actually ended up having to call a friend of mine from the Missouri Department of Conservation. This was Sunday morning, early. By now, it's probably, I don't know, 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. I can't reach anybody at the KDWP, Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. And I called a buddy of mine from the Missouri Department of Conservation, which he gave me the number to another agent for the state of Kansas that he knew that was way out in western Kansas, clear on the other side of the state. She, So I talked to her, told her what I had. She called the local biologist, and he finally got down there. We kept that fish alive for over five hours. Got that fish weighed, measured, certified, and back in the water alive. Um, I don't know how many state record fish ever survived that certification process. I know it's not many, I, and I hope in the future there will be more. I, I tell everybody, boy, you know, if you – We've known we've known that the that the Kansas record was going to go down. It was previously like 96 pounds, and now Rob's fish was 102.8 pounds. And I, I urge everybody: if you think you've got the possibility of bringing a record fish, have a plan. Hey, Brad. Have a plan and and be able to maintain that fish. And I was the last person to ever touch that fish. I I was the last person to ever touch that fish. I didn't catch it, but. I mean, what a what a thrill and what an honor to be able to return that to get that fish and get it certified for Rob, and then to get it back in the water and have that thing swim off strong and healthy. That's a beautiful thing, man. That's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. Two things, real quick, before you go on here, Rob. Number one, your house is haunted. <laughs> right behind you, your your glass door opened and closed, and nobody was there. <laughs> And number I had two, to let Peanut in, my dog. How, but how'd you open the door? <laughs> I, I, here, can you see my hand now? Yeah, you must have did it. Right, you must have did it low or something. Yeah, I did it low. <laughs> it was sneaky, man. <laughs> All right, number two, we got to go real quick. To uh, I'm gonna do a screen share, and we're gonna do our uh, for our live viewers. We're gonna give away the two bottles of Dead Red, and I'm gonna show everybody how how to subscribe to be a a potential winner for another two bottles of Dead Red. Hey, Fudge. Uh, yeah. Dead red. That's the real deal. Rob's fish. Asian yeah. Carp with dead red on it. With dead red on it. True story. State record fish. State record fish. And his wife caught the Milford Lake record fish 
82 pounds out of Milford Lake. Dead red. There you go, guys. Everybody, you're hearing it right there. And big fish, they'll... Everybody likes to think stuff like that might be uh, something they don't need or whatnot, but put it to the test. Throw it on there, see if it works for yourself. So uh, I'm going to do a screen share real quick. And let's pick that picture. That looks good. Everybody can see my screen right here. On each page of catfishweekly.com, you're going to see on the right-hand side, the subscribe to blog via email. All you do is click on that, put your email address, and click that little subscribe button, and you will be the chance for um, Dead Red, and also you'll get updates when we update our website with new videos and things along that line. Um, go under random.org. I'm going to post in everybody's name that said hi, or I, I'm sorry. Um, before I do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the other guys on here. I don't know if we discussed it or not. I can't remember because I'm old. Do uh, do past winners also get to get in, or, or is it a, a one time? Once you win, let everybody else get a chance. What do you I guys think? think? With, uh, I think with the dead road, we decided to to put that out. But on all the other ones, if you win that month, you can win the next month or something like that. But for the dead road, I think we waived that. What so ever you can you can win more than once? Yeah, I think so. I okay. Said. All right, so I'm gonna add Jason Malone and Scott Wiseman to it because they both have one, and they're both in live chat right now. Or Scott Malone, they got married. Jason Scott got married. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do. I'm going to randomize it five times. Five whole times. So I got it good and shook up on the computer. Here I go. On the fifth time, pers person in spot number one wins this. Jason's on there day. twice, I think. Jason's on there twice. Oh, you're right. Good catch. Good catch. There we go. Five on number one, number two, number three, number four, and the winner, Adam Winder. Adam Winder is our winner. So, congrats, Adam. Uh, if you will, either on Facebook or yeah, on Facebook, if you can, Chris Wallace, send me a private message with your address, and I'll get you, I'll get you those bottles sent out. Now you can go back. You can go ahead and check. Okay, um, Brad, I know your tournament kind of uh, got going by itself. I mean, you just started holding tournaments, and you didn't have to concentrate on really uh, establishing, uh, you know, entry fees that, uh, you know, would attract certain fishermen and, and a certain fee that would get new guys in. You kind of kept it the same uh, from the start, correct? Yeah. <laughs> I've... Uh... My first tournament, we did a straight $100 entry um, after we did that first tournament. Um, you know, out here, one of my one of my main venues requires me to, to carry quite a bit of, of general liability insurance. After that first tournament, we realized we had to charge a little bit more and, and hold some money back. But my entry fee has been pretty much $125 pre-entry, $145 late entry from the get-go, and that works for us. I ain't nobody nobody's getting rich off putting on catfishing tournaments. Correct. Uh but where I was trying to get is um you know what around, especially around Alabama where there's so many bass fishermen and uh you know a whole lot of guys aren't into the uh, catfish scene down here. Um by us starting up new trails, uh but we we've got to try to offer you know, a good pot for the for the experienced guys, to, you know, to travel and and to come, you know, do what they do, and also have a uh, a pot to where guys can come fish them and, 
you know, try to learn the catfish thing without feeling that they're coming and uh, donating their money, you know, to the guys winning every week. Um, you know, your your situation out there is totally different because you know they they you know your trail just built itself pretty much from what I've seen. Uh, but you know, from from somebody trying to start a trail, uh, you know, what's what's some tips you can give that um, you know from entry fees and uh, trying to attract new guys to come fish that would help the trails get going. Well, I tell you what, one of the one of the smartest things we ever did was make a Facebook page and then work real hard on it, creating interest, uh, posting up my, you know, my Kansas City Catfish Facebook page. We put big fish from all over the nation on it, and that, that helps kind of create some buzz. Um, you know, one of the, you're going to start slow, and, you're, and you know, when, you, when you're starting out a trail, you, you can't expect to light the world on fire from the get-go. You know, one of, I've told everybody that's ever started a trail, first things first, you got to take care of business, and you got to take care of number one. You got to take care of who is is running the tournament, and make sure that you're protected. I highly suggest taking out insurance if you're really going to do it and you're serious about it. Make yourself an LLC. Go talk to your attorney and create a limited liability corporation. Because in this day and age, especially if you're dealing with the public, you don't know who's showing up to those tournaments. It's not always just you and your buddies. I, I don't worry about my buddies suing me. I, I worry about somebody else suing me. Protect yourself. Do, get your insurance in line. Get Be an LLC. Get a good set of rules, and the rules are the rules, period. Black and white. Never break the rules. Never bend the rules. The rules are the rules. And if you do those things, you'll go a long way. Okay, so uh, the the waivers you you can have people sign and you know to to cover your butt. Those rules that don't work out, people can still sue you if you um, have waiver forms, the the you know, for them to sign before the tournaments and stuff. You know, I've got a I've got a waiver and and mine's about as ironclad as you'd ever see. But at the end of the day. <laughs> A, a, a tournament waiver is just like a lock on a door. It's going to keep an honest man honest. That's it. If they want to sue you, they're going to sue you. You know, and heaven forbid you put on an event and something tragic happens and somebody gets hurt or, or heaven forbid somebody dies. One person drowns and, and if you don't if you don't have the proper legal protection from that, they'll... They signed the waiver, sure. The, the the person who participated in the tournament signed the waiver. His wife didn't sign the waiver. Parents didn't sign the waiver. Children didn't sign the waiver. Waivers, they're just there to keep an honest man honest. You know, I mean, and that's the talk to any attorney. They'll tell you hold harmless agreements are about worth the paper that they're drawing on. Okay, so you need the more or less. Uh Establish your trail as a company and and get it insured and all that good stuff, correct? Yeah, if you if you want to, you know, if you're really serious about it, and I know there's there's a lot of little trails out there that don't do this and and they get along fine, but man, I kind of feel like they're playing with fire. I've been I've been insured from my first tournament. Um, we became a an LLC a little bit further on down the road when things started getting big and. You know, because in the beginning, Kansas City Catfish, it was the same 15, 20 boats every time, and we all knew each other. We was all buddies. But as things got bigger, we had to do something to, you know, because at the end of the day, I wanted, I, all I want to do is go fishing. And I can't go fishing if, if somebody sues me and if I don't have this roof over my head, if I don't have that boat in the driveway, I don't have that truck in the driveway – you know, you got to protect your interests. You know, my family depends on me just like your guys' family depends on you. You protect your interests at work and you protect your interests at home. You buy insurance for your car, your boat, your house. Why would you go into a venture like putting on a tournament without insuring it? Yeah, and, you, and we had a member on the chat that made a good point. You know, you could have, you know, your buddy Bob, he's a good buddy of yours or whatever. He, he uh, goes to your tournament and he dies, and he might have been the coolest guy in the world. He would never sue you in a million years, but his family. 
yeah. on the other hand, they feel for whatever reason you're responsible or they, they can get a couple bucks from you, you know, that's just unfortunately the world we live in sometimes and it's always better to be protected and not need it than the, to need protected and not have it, you know. I've always told my guys, we got insurance, but that doesn't mean we want to use it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, you got to stress safety and, and, you know, being considerate and, you know, make sure that everybody knows what's expected. And, you know, I, I tell the guys all the time in my pre-tournament meetings, if one of you guys, any one of you guys, if somebody gets hurt or somebody dies, everybody here has a bad day. And that's that's the way it is. Yeah, uh, that that type of insurance, it's not very expensive either, is it? No, you know, and if anybody wants to, wants, I mean, it's not cheap. I pay seven seven hundred and fifty dollars a year, but that covers every event. And uh, you know, if there's anybody out there that's running tournaments and and needs some insurance, get a hold of me. I'll set you up with my guy. He will hook you up, and it's the most cost-effective coverage you will find. Because trust me, I shopped around, and, and you can't beat my guy. You just won't do it. I've got the same insurance Cabela's has got, Bass Pro's got, all the larger trails got. And don't let them lie to you. Don't let them tell you it's costing an arm and a leg because it's not. Okay. All right. Um, all right, Paul, I'm going to pass it back to you. That's all I got. And it was great talking to you, Brad. Yeah, you too, buddy. All right, Brad, I appreciate you uh, coming with us today. Had a had a few headaches trying to get started, but I just got blurry. <laughs> but we got you in there, and uh, appreciate you coming by. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to uh, uh, Lyle here in a second. Start our our last words. Keep it short, and uh, we'll we'll start with Lyle there. Go ahead. Well, Brad, thanks for coming on the show tonight. We sure glad to have you on here. And uh, I hope to see you at a few more tournaments this year. Maybe we can get together and do some fishing in the meantime. We better. We've been talking about going fishing for years, Lyle. We need to get her done. <laughs> I know. That's just how it works out sometimes. I've got a couple of tournaments I want to talk about. Um, coming up, we have uh, May 24th, Nauvoo, Illinois, added, tournament, added money tournament for Twisted Cat Outdoors. Um, should be a good good tournament. It's going to be north of the Keokuk Dam. This will be uh, a, basically a channel cat tournament, so all you local guys that love to catch some channel cats, come on over and join us. May 31st, Burlington, Iowa. This tournament uh, is a Twisted Cat Outdoor tournament. Brad is kind enough to, to uh, include uh, some products and giveaways with Kansas City Catfish. The points will count towards Kansas City Catfish tournaments. They will count towards Twisted Cat Outdoor Tournament Series. Um, $100 entry fee. It's paying 50% back in prize money. 50% goes to um, Calvin Myers' family uh, to help with expenses. Calvin, as you know, has been diagnosed with cancer. Um, this is going to be a, a really a great event. We've got so many companies. I'm not even going to try to list them all. The people, individuals, and 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 companies uh, donating fishing gear and coffee and rods and my gosh, just everything under the sun. And all this stuff will be auctioned off or raffled off, uh, and the proceeds will all go to Calvin and his family. They've incurred quite an expense uh, traveling back and forth from north of Quincy, Illinois, to uh, um, the hospital in St. Louis, and as many of you can show up, it'll be a great time. They're going to have a dinner there, and and uh, it'll it'll just be wonderful. Um, Lagrange, Missouri, June 14th. Uh, Twisted Cat Outdoors, in conjunction with Mark Twain Casino, is having a Jack and Jill tournament. Hundred dollar entry fee, guaranteeing three thousand to win. Uh, the other money will be split up to the first five places. We have people entered from five or six states right now. This is going to be a big turnout. Um, if we get 40 or more boats, which it looks like we're going to have, the prize money will go up. At 40 boats, it'll be roughly $4,000 first place. At 50 boats, it'll be roughly $5,000 first place. Um, 
I know the motel rooms are filling up fast, so uh, if you're interested in making these tournaments, please try to get over there. Uh, we'd love to have you. There's going to be a captain's meeting on Friday night with a barbecue dinner. The casino is also going to give away T-shirts and uh, ball caps and some jackets. There's going to be a vendor section set up out there. For anybody that would like to display stuff, get a hold of myself or John Nordyke. We'll set you up with what you need. Um, the casino is also having free for any of the fishermen or their families that want to uh, play in the slots tournament that's going on Friday. You get uh, free entry into that tournament. Uh, come see us. We'd love to have you. Chris? Um. All right, uh, the Tri-State Catfish Shootout, that's uh, going to be at Tanner's Creek on May 10th. Um, that's basically a bunch of different clubs coming together. There, there was a, um, quite a quite a big tournament last year, and it's growing every year. Uh, it's at uh, Tanner's Creek, if I didn't say that already. I believe the entry fee is $100. Um, one of the people you can send your entry fee to to get in line for that is Vince Nadowski on Facebook. Um, there's going to be quite a few people showing up for that one. Um, besides that, um, the uh, the um, unitedforcatfish.com that I was talking with uh, Brad a little bit earlier. Uh, just a little more information for people on that. Um, if if you're what we're looking for, I and mean, we're talking about him being a leader of the state of Kansas, uh, was that, you know, we're looking for other people in states. If if you don't know if anybody's set up for your state or whatever, don't don't uh, don't hesitate contacting me or Aaron Wheatley or or Brad Kilpatrick or Lyle Stokes. Ask them if there's anybody set up for for your state, and and what would happen is if you be, if you become a leader for that state, you're you know you're pretty much just going to be on that forum and helping people, you know, get the information in your state out there so, you know, people have somebody to contact in their state to find out what's going on and, and to be able to put that information for their state out on that forum and things like that. So if you're interested in a position like that and, and you're going to be part of a, a founder's club, you know, for the people who are the leaders type club in that forum so that way all the leaders can talk amongst themselves and, and uh, share information with them with with each other there as well um, but yeah like I said just get a hold of any one of us on that um, again Brad thanks for coming on the show um, I hope you enjoyed it I hope uh, everybody else that's watching the show all the people that are enjoying the show to keep enjoying it and and I know that we're discussing possibly making a move to either a different time slot or even a different day and a different time if you have any suggestions on that, we might be looking at Mondays, Mondays at 8 o'clock uh, Eastern, 7 Central, something like that. Um, you know, if, if you have any input on that, just send us a message on Facebook, uh, anything, you know, that you would like to see happen, and we'll put it into consideration, and we'll let everybody know once we make a decision. Um, the last thing, the closer of every show that I do for... Even though each one of us are sponsored by um, different companies or whatever, the show itself isn't necessarily sponsored by anything. Uh, companies can donate prizes for us to give away, but we're not sponsored by them. Uh, so anybody's welcome to watch the show. You don't got to feel like you're picking any sides. There's no politics. It's just for the sport of catfishing. Uh, we're all here to work together and and enjoy our passion together. So besides that, Stay out of my spot. <laughs> They're all in my spot. <laughs> Go ahead, Chuck. I appreciate you coming on, Brad. That's that's about all I got. Um, I'm fixing to have to go ahead and get uh, get on this. We're starting a uh, Alabama catfish trail. We're going to have a our first tournament's going to be uh, May 17th. It's going to be in Scottsboro, Alabama, and it's going to be part of their uh, yearly uh, Scottsboro Catfish Festival. Um, the uh, launch time is going to be at 7, and we've changed the weigh-in time from 3 to 4 because the, uh, the uh, festival wants to weigh in to uh, 
be about a four four o'clock prime time spot, so there will be more spectators to watch it. So I will have more information on this tournament next week. Um, again, it was good to have you on here, Brad, and I'll pass it on back to you, Lyle. Paul, appreciate it. Huh. All right, uh, Brad, you got the last word. Go ahead. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's uh, it's been a good time. I'd. Uh, like to remind everybody, I do have a tournament coming up uh, this next weekend, um, April 27th, at Milford Lake in state, great state of Kansas. Uh, tournament hours are from 7 to 4 o'clock, and uh, pre-entry is closed for that. So if you haven't pre-entered, you will have to uh, bring me $145 cash. We'll be signing people up at 5 a.m., launching at 7, weighing in at 4 at the South Boat Ramp. If you at um, Milford State Park, and then uh, on the horizon, uh, June 1st in St. Joseph, Missouri, we're going to have the uh, Pony Express Classic, and uh, that will have, so far I've got it added uh, $3,500 to that, so we'll, we're expecting a big boat count, big fish, and a big payday too, so I hope uh, a lot of you teams that uh, do some traveling, hope you guys can... Uh, Come on down to St. Joe and join us, and we're going to have a good time down there, too. But uh, I'd like to thank all of you guys for having me on the show tonight, and uh, I appreciate it. Hopefully we can do her again sometime. When was that Pony Express tournament, Brad? June 1st in St. Joseph, Missouri, on the Missouri June River. First. All right. Sounds like a good, good tournament. Oh, it will be. All right. So that's it for this week. Join us next week, same time, same place. Until next time, keep them tight.